Hello guys, this is Elizabeth. Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Flowers podcast. And I'm super excited today because we have a really special guest with us, Marley Anderson. Marley was one of my first friends here at Baylor and she made a huge impact on me from the second I heard her story and was able to get to know her. So I'm super excited to have her on today to share her mental health story with us. So yeah, say hi Marley. Hello. Yes, so I'm just going to start off by asking Marley a little bit about her life dealing with mental health, um, when she started um, dealing with her illnesses, such as anxiety, depression, all that, um, and what her story kind of is, so yeah. Um, Okay, so I have always struggled with anxiety. Um, It runs in my family, but I would say that it got really bad. Right before I turned 12, I was in a pretty bad car accident, um, and my dad ended up passing away. And after that, for the next, like, four years, it was really hard for me to be in the car. Um, And, like, when I was learning how to drive, I would have panic attacks to the point where I couldn't feel my legs, and I I could not see the road, and my mom would have to, like, like, take over. So that's when I started really struggling with my anxiety. Um, But I would say that it got to, like peak like peak anxiety my senior year of high school um I was raped by my ex-boyfriend um and that had a huge impact on me um he was my best friend my boyfriend of almost a year and when that happened I struggled a lot with the idea that I had been assaulted but mostly the fact that I had lost my best friend um so that's when I really saw my anxiety get to the point that it had gotten to um I I started developing, like, OCD symptoms. Um, I couldn't go, like, two seconds without washing my hands because I felt dirty all the time. And it got to the point where I was washing my hands so, like, so often and so hard that my hands were constantly cracked and bleeding. <laughs> um, my mom ended up waking... I ended up waking my mom up one night at midnight crying in the bathroom because I was washing my hands and they just did not feel clean. And then one day at work, I got something on my hands and I couldn't get it off like in a like quick enough. And I ended up sitting in the bathroom at work sobbing because my hands felt so dirty. Um, and so that's when my anxiety got really bad. And then that's also when I noticed my depression getting really bad as well. Um, I would not leave my house. I would not talk to people. I did not feel comfortable in my own body. I wouldn't wear like anything other than sweatpants and sweatshirts and it was like the middle of summer and so it got really really bad um I just like could not stand looking at myself or like being in my body anymore and so that's my journey with that yeah okay so just to preface kind of let's start back to when you said um the symptoms of the car accident kind of affected you I know that I've talked a little bit about how I got hit by a car, and I actually experienced, like, a lot of the same um, panic attacks, like, with learning how to drive and stuff, and that's why I always say um, that people's anxieties and triggers are very specific to their situation and what they have dealt with, so that makes a lot of sense that driving would have a strong effect on you, and every time you're in a car, you would feel more anxious because, obviously, that was the situation you were put in, and that was your trigger, basically, for that anxiety, Um, I just wanted to ask you if you ever experienced, um, anxiety that didn't really have, like, a trigger where you, like, were just, like, 
having a panic attack out of nowhere and you couldn't really like understand why and maybe like just tell a story about that or talk a little bit more about that because for me that was like the breaking point and when I knew I needed like medication or some extra help and yeah I just want to hear your story about that yeah so I I would say that that's the like main part of my anxiety is just random constantly like no triggers um the first story that comes to mind is last year (laughs) I was trying to go to sleep and for some reason I just had this horrible panic attack um I was laying in bed just trying to sleep and all of a sudden like I couldn't breathe and I had to get out of my bed and I sat on the floor and ate a protein bar and put my weighted blanket on me and like I sat there for like 30 minutes and I like still have no idea why I had that panic attack yeah yeah for me a lot of times that like getting out of bed like moving around like that sometimes helps me Mm -hmm. like just like ground myself like literally like getting on the floor (laughs) like eating like just doing something where you're like you know what you're doing but yeah um, do you want to talk a little bit about um, the medication that you're on that you're cur- currently taking and the process it took for you to like get to the medication you're on today? Yeah, so right now I'm taking, uh, I think it's called duoxaline. Honestly, I'm not really sure, um, but it's a antidepressant and anxiety, anti-anxiety med. Um, and then I'm also taking trazodone, which is antidepressant and sleeping medication. Um, so I started the summer after my senior year of high school, so two summers 20, ago? Yeah, two summers ago. 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started with my sleeping med- medication and then um, Zoloft, which that one um, I had a really weird reaction to. It turned me into like a zombie. Um, I had no personality. Mm-hmm. I like would not speak. I did not like have anything to say. Um, I was very just, like, physically present, but mentally, like, not there at all. Um, So I ended up switching to Lexapro. And Lexapro, it did not work at all. Um, It felt like I wasn't taking anything. Um, I felt worse than before. So I got on to Celexa. Um, And (laughs) it's a long journey. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I got on Celexa, which I was on for almost a year, I think. And that one really, really helped. Um, my anxiety went down so much, almost to like I wasn't anxious at all. Um, and it was a huge relief knowing that I could live my life like that. Um, but it wasn't really helping in the depression state of things. Um, so my mood was still like super low. I was tired all the time. I just did not feel like myself. Um, so that's when I started the current medication I'm on. Um, and my mom likes to say that since I've started it, I'm a completely different person. Um, and I can, like, I can see it. I'm more motivated mm-hmm. in school. I'm happier. I want to, like, interact with people. Um, so that's been great. And then my sleeping meds, I've been on for a year and a half. Um, and I ended up starting those just because the anxiety was so bad that I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And if I did fall asleep, I would wake up from nightmares because I was yeah. so anxious. Yeah. So- for me, it's more of, like, I oversleep like Mm -hmm. I'm like oh when I sleep I don't feel anything like I'm not overthinking so I just will like nap right when I'm finished classes and like sleep like 12 to like 14 hours a night like when I have the opportunity to so like I've never really dealt with like insomnia except for when I first started my meds it like happened for like two weeks but I can't imagine what that must have been like going through that like every night like just like you wanting to be well rested and recharged but you just weren't 
Yeah, that was that was one of the biggest things with um, the Celexa. When I like saw my depression was still pretty bad, I was sleeping like fourteen hours a night. Yeah. But I still had the insomnia, so like I was waking up every few hours. It it was a little balancing act. Yeah. Well, that's really great that you're on something now that you can actually feel like you see that improvement and you feel happier. That's like the end goal with any person's health mental health journey. Like starting on one medication may not be the right fit for you. And I think you're a perfect example of just finding what works for you. And I remember you had told me this like in our real lives. (laughs) You said that like you shouldn't have to sacrifice like one aspect of your life for another to like get better. Like I shouldn't have to feel more depressed when my anxiety when my anxiety is actually better so like you can find something that's going to be a perfect fit for you eventually okay so next I just wanted to ask you when was that point for you that you just realized that you needed to be on medication and that like you couldn't really take living with your mental health anymore and that you needed extra help um wait can I pause it yeah um so I would say that I kind of had like two um, moments when I decided um, I had it was kind of different for each mental illness I guess with like the anxiety I had a certain time and then with the depression I had a certain time that I realized I needed help um, and the anxiety definitely came first um, it was right after the assault and like I said I was like constantly in my bed at home I did not talk to anybody I didn't trust anybody um, I had to have my friends walk me from my car to my class in between classes and then after school from class back to my car and I I wouldn't be like I couldn't be home alone because I was so afraid and I couldn't I just could not do anything by myself because I was so anxious and I remember like walking out the door I would have a panic attack and like even going to work I started working a lot because it felt like a safe space um because I was in public I was surrounded by people And, but even at work, I worked downtown and I would like watch out the windows because I was so afraid and anxious that he was going to come in. And so I think that was kind of when I realized I needed to be on anxiety meds was when I, I couldn't do anything without thinking about it and without like feeling super, super nervous or like I was going to like break down or like I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And just... Even hearing that, like, and knowing you, you're, like, a very independent, like, motivated person. So, like, you not being able to do something alone just, like, really shocks me. Because, like, that's not, like, you at all. So, like, I I can definitely see how that was, like, a breaking point where you were, like, okay, I'm not myself anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally, like you said, I love being alone. Like, I love doing things by myself. Like, you're independent, and that's good. Yeah, Yeah. and I, I could not be alone at all. Um, so that's when I decided that I needed to get on the anxiety meds, and it's it's really great because the anxiety meds and the antidepressants are basically, like, interchangeable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so getting on it helped a lot with my depression right away, which I didn't really, like, realize that I had depression. I really just thought it was the anxiety um, until I went to my doctor, and she was like, hey, like, <laughs> this is actually depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um and so that helped a lot. And then this year when I decided to um, switch my medication again, it was mostly for the depression. My anxiety was good, but the depression was so bad that I like I could not get out of bed. I was sleeping all weekend. Um, I wasn't hanging out with people. I just didn't feel like being in public or like trying in school. My grades were so bad. Like I had no friends. 
because I just could not put that effort in and so even my mom told me like on the phone that she could hear it in my voice and that I just like it, I was not who I usually am um so that was like when I decided for the depression side of it to get medication okay yeah that's really interesting because my doctor told me the same thing that like my anxiety medication was gonna help with my depression as well because like she said the worse your anxiety gets like the more depression symptoms can like kind of come into your life which I think they go hand in hand a lot of the time um so yeah that it's cool to hear a story where like you yes were on the anxiety medication it was helping your depression but then that got to a point where you needed to be on depression medication as well I think that's something that is really real and that can happen to a lot of people that they may not see as like a valid excuse to get on a different medication so Okay, so now I just wanted to ask you a little bit about um, how your anxiety and depression um, affected your relationships. I know you already touched on it a little bit, saying that, like, you wouldn't really reach out to friends and, like, hang out with them very much. But maybe just dive in a little deeper um, about how you were kind of, like, treating people versus how you wanted to be treating people and if that was, like, a defining factor of you getting on medication or not. Um, I think... It wasn't really something that I noticed, honestly. Um, It was just, like, I was so caught up in myself and, like, what had just happened and how I was feeling that I wasn't thinking about the people around me. Um, Which, looking back now, it's hard to, like, it's hard to think about how I treated people because that's just not me. And I, I feel like I can, I feel like I'm a selfless person and I care deeply about others. And so, like, knowing that I didn't is very hard, but, um, looking back on it, my best friend and I were super close. We shared everything. Like we were together 24 seven and right after the assault, I barely spoke to her and I barely saw her. And that like not knowing what was going on in her life was kind of the tipping point. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I really am disconnected from everything. Um, and then Another thing that I noticed was I didn't want to talk to people about it. And it wasn't like, like, which is totally understandable. I mean, you go through something and you don't want to talk about it and that's fine. But it was like, I refused to talk about it. Like, I just did not want to acknowledge it. Um, And that was hard. And I also, I think that like, I got in, I got it in my head that if I put in the effort and I like healed from this and I moved on that it went away and that it didn't hold an impact on me and that I wasn't allowed to be upset about it um and so I think that mindset really caused me to like hold on to it for a really long time um and I felt like even though I didn't want to talk about it with my friends the fact that they didn't talk about it with me made me feel like they didn't care and so that also caused me to push people away Um, which, I mean, now I know that, like, that's totally not what was happening. No one knows how to talk about it. No one, it's not something anybody wants to, like, discuss. Um, so I've, I saw myself pushing people away a lot. So what is some advice that you would give to yourself probably two years ago, like, after the assault? Um, how would you have handled that situation maybe differently for yourself? Um, and just give yourself grace in that time. Okay, um, so I think the biggest thing for me was that I felt embarrassed. I felt embarrassed that it had happened, and I, 
I put a lot of the blame on myself, which is probably the first thing I would tell myself two years ago is this is not your fault, which it sounds so cliche and it sounds so easy, but it is so hard when you're in that situation not to put the blame on yourself. And I mean, you go through the every day, not every day, but like you go through life and you hear all these stories about these girls being raped and killed and it's kind of like, oh, that's, that's horrible. It's like a different world. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can't comprehend. It's like, that's so sad. That shouldn't happen. And then you move on. But when it happens to you, it's like completely life shattering. Like I, I can't even explain it. My world was flipped upside down. Um, and the way that I coped with it was, or I guess not coping, but the way that I handled it was blaming myself. Um, I felt very ashamed, very embarrassed. I felt very weak. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I just did not want to talk about it. I could not bring myself to talk about it. Um, and asking for help sounded, it seemed really hard. And like no one, not that no one cared, but no one understood what it felt like. Um, and so I think I would tell myself it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to talk about it. Yeah, because even talking to someone who maybe hadn't experienced that in their life before, like, just you talking about it and venting just helps. I read that actually for women, it's, like, proven that 90% of women, like, actually feel better, like, when they rant about something or vent about something. And, like, literally just having a listening ear and someone to talk to makes it all, makes all the difference. It makes things so much better. And that's, like, a proven fact. <laughs> Scientifically proven. Yeah. Um, no, totally. I could see that. Um, I could, I think that if I would have talked about it and I would have said something earlier, you it wouldn't have, would like, have kept shoving it down. Exactly. Down, yeah. It would have gotten better a lot faster. Um, funny story. <laughs> when it happened, I told my friends, um, after a few weeks and my friend ended up telling school administration, she had my permission and everything. She, she was great about it, but, um, <clears throat> no one knew besides my friends. So she told the school admin, um, and they're mandated reporters, so they had to call the cops and CPS, because I was a minor, <laughs> and so that's how my mom found out. Um, CPS <laughs> called her, and I, I feel so bad. That was horrible. Um, sorry, mom. But, <laughs> so, I, I just could not tell my mom, because it's like, how do you tell your mom that something like that? Yeah, I feel like that's a mom's biggest fear, mm-hmm. like something horrible happening to their daughter like, mm-hmm. like they protect with their whole heart yeah and so I buried it a lot because I just did not like I felt so ashamed which looking back now like I that's, that's silly I should not have felt ashamed um I also wanted to ask um you said this happened into a year of you dating your boyfriend and I know a lot of people have like the assumption that like oh when you're in a relationship and you've had sex before and it's just a normal occurrence. You can't be raped, and it doesn't it doesn't count as assault. But um, maybe talk a little bit about how this was a completely different situation. Like you can be raped when you are, you know, in a relationship, no matter how long it's been, no matter no matter how much you trust that person. Like you said, he was like your best friend, and that was part of the betrayal of it all, and like how it made you feel. Yeah. Um. Um. So my relationship with him. We were friends before we were dating, and he, we had the same friend group. We were all, like, super close. My best friend and I, or my best friend, him and I, were, like, this little trio, hanging out 24-7. Even after um, we broke up for a little while, 
we stayed friends and we still hung out every day. Um, he, my mom made a bet with me that she would pay, she was like, um, she was like, I bet you the cost of your wedding that you're going to marry him. Um, and so it was a very, it was a high school relationship. So it wasn't like, you know, perfect or anything or like the most serious thing in the world. But to, you know, 16 year old me, it felt like the most serious thing in the world. Um, and so that night, um, I just told him I wasn't in the mood and he got very aggressive with it. Um, and I just remember, um, I just remember being there and thinking like, oh, like crap, this is happening. And I just remember feeling so defeated, but in a way I wasn't surprised. Like, it wasn't like I was like shocked. It was just like, yep, this is happening. And then I kind of just like accepted defeat. Which is probably says a lot about his character and how he had treated you throughout that entire relationship because no one should like see that coming. Yeah. No one should have to be like, well, it was going to happen eventually and now it's happening. Like, that shouldn't be a thought process. So I'm really sorry you had to go through that and be in a relationship with someone so abusive and toxic. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for sharing about that. Um, next, I kind of wanted to just talk a little bit um, about the signs of anxiety and how you said that you even had symptoms of OCD kind of showing up in your life when you were talking about um, like washing your hands all the time. I wanted to ask you what that was like. Anxiety presents itself in a lot of different ways in everybody Um, and for me it was mostly the like feeling dirty, having to wash my hands all the time, Um, trouble breathing, like feeling like someone's sitting on my chest That's still, like, one of the main ones I get. Um, A lot of (laughs) sweating. Like, I sweat a lot when I'm there. I mean, I sweat a lot when I'm anxious. Um, And then my hands will, like, shake a lot. Um, So those are, like, the main signs for me. And you have you noticed anything that, like, you can do to, like, help those symptoms? Or, like, if you feel a panic attack coming on, um, like, today, like, what would you do? And, like, how would you kind of go about that to make yourself feel better and like what works for you um so I actually learned this in therapy and it works for me I don't it obviously won't work for everybody but for me it really helps to breathe in for six seconds and then exhale for six seconds and it's supposed to like kind of like reset calm your nervous system so if I feel a panic attack coming on um I'll usually just like sit in a chair or like have my legs dangling off my bed um and I place my hands on my knees and I just tap like my right knee, my left knee, my right knee, my left knee. Um, and it's supposed to connect both sides of your brain or it's supposed to, I think that's what it does. Honestly, I don't know, but, um, it's supposed to like kind of bring everything back together. Um, and then if that doesn't work, I like hug myself and squeeze like my right arm and then my left arm. Um, and so that's how I usually get my panic attacks under control. (laughs) Yeah. That's really great advice. I feel like those are really great trips, tricks and tips that you were able to learn in therapy. Um, do you see uh, like a big difference in... Um, I know that a lot of doctors recommend both like medication and then also like therapy and those two together are supposed to be like the best you can do for yourself and for your mental health. Um, what has your experience been kind of with doing both those things at the same time and one without the other how have you kind of seen like is it worse without one or the other like what really helps you the most 
So I was only medicated and in therapy for like probably a month before I came to college. Um, And then once I came to college, I had like a year, I want to say, and then probably two months that I was in therapy and medicated. Um, So I don't have like a lot of experience with both at the same time, but I would say I was definitely at my highest when I was doing both at the same time. And um, the therapy helped a lot before I was medicated and I definitely saw improvement. Um, But I would say that the medication definitely boosted that yeah in a way yeah it it's not that the therapy wasn't working it's just the therapy worked a lot better when I was on my medication and then being on my medication right now without the therapy it's working wonders it's amazing but I think that I would be 10 times better if I were in therapy as well yeah and I think that's something that like not being in therapy right now I feel like it's easy for me to literally I'm just like oh, well, I have school and I'm in college and then it's spring break and I'm traveling. It's like, when would I have time to have a consistent routine where I can like go to therapy every single week? And there's like nothing holding me accountable to that. And I feel like that's what kind of happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is just like another thing to add to my to-do list. I don't have the capacity for that right now in my life. And that's probably just where we both need to like kind of prioritize our mental health a little more because at the end of the day, I think if we were both, like, actively going to therapy, like, I don't know, like, once a week or even, like, once a month or something, we'd be able to do better in school and all aspects of our life because we'd have our mental health fully together, too, so. Yeah, I was just talking to one of my friends the other day about this, but I just, I was telling her that therapy is so magical and you don't even need, like, a reason to be going. Like, the yeah. Like, you can just go and just talk about your day, and it's so beneficial and so helpful in so many ways. Um, Like, when I was going to therapy, half the time I was just talking about, like, my life and, like, my friends and how my day was going in school and not even the reason that I got into therapy. And so, it was just really helpful and great and amazing. Um, I also wanted to ask you a little bit about... um, Marley has danced her whole life. She's grown up doing ballet, and she's danced since she was, like, two, three... Mm. weren't you like really little i was two but then i took a break for a little she was while. two and then took a break so she's literally been dancing like her whole life um and i was a dancer as well and i think something that um is like kind of looked over a lot is like mental health when you're dancing your whole life um i just kind of wanted to ask you about your experience with that that maybe other dancers or people athletes people in sports can relate to um specifically dance and being like a girl i know that like you know, you like you're in that leotard every single day and those pink tights and like a lot of ballet instructors have like a perfect image of like a tall blonde skinny girl, which is literally Marley. But, <laughs> but, but like but like even you like kind of feeling insecure in that area and maybe talk a little bit about how that affected your mental health. Um so I was actually extremely lucky with my studio. Um it was the director, she she grew up dancing as well, and she um, had this vision for her studio that she just wanted it to be super positive, like, positive like she just wanted it to be a great environment and loving and caring, and, like, she literally wanted it to be a family. Um, so I was very, very lucky in that aspect that I had that, um, but, I mean, even with that, going to ballet in a leotard and having 
being told like stand up straight or suck your stomach in like you know it it is hard it was it was very difficult and I do catch myself even today like straightening my back and like lifting my chin and like sucking in my gut just like I was told in ballet but it honestly didn't severely affect me in the way that I know a lot of girls are affected by ballet that's good that you had a really loving and caring community um that's awesome that your director did that I'm sure that like she maybe experienced like some of the hate and like really strict direction from her studio maybe when she was a kid so she wanted to like give y'all a better experience so that's Mm -hmm. awesome um I know I kind of talked about this earlier but with um dealing with this like when I first started kind of wanting to heal from this um it was really difficult because I felt like like going to therapy getting medicated learning how to process and heal from it it felt like I was letting it go and that it was going to go away um and a part of me didn't want that as kind of silly as it sounds like I wanted it to be a part of my life and it's it's hard when you grow up or not just grow up but like it's hard when you live in a society that's like your trauma is does not define you like this is not who you are this is not a part of your life or your story but it in a way it is and it was it was hard for me to like think of the idea of letting it go and not letting it be a part of my life because it was such a huge thing that happened and it shouldn't have happened and I would take it back if I could but it did happen and so I just wasn't willing to let that go and get rid of that um but that being said I did see like I took a step back from my life I took a step back and I looked at my life and I saw that the direction I was going if I was going to continue holding on to it wasn't a pretty place um I was I was very depressed I was very anxious I was very isolated from everybody else um and so I kind of saw like if I'm going to be so adamant about keeping this event in my life and as part of my story like I am either going to continue going into this dark place or I can turn it around for the better um and so I decided to go with that one (laughs) the latter um and I'm not saying that depression and anxiety is a choice, but it is a choice that you have to make to get better. And I think that's the hardest part of healing is deciding to do it. Um, But a big part of my healing journey was realizing that it is as horrible as it is, as horrible as it is, um, assault is not going to go away. And if you can't fix something to the point where it's gone, you have to fix it after it happens um and so I wanted to kind of take my experience and what I learned and what I went through and use it to help other people um and so I've been that is what actually inspired me to become a psychology major (laughs) um learning how to like help people with the um with like coping and just like in delicate situations like that and so I want to um continue in med school and then hopefully become an OBGYN so I can work with I have I kind of have like that little um door I guess to women um who have been through something similar and kind of use my um 
experiences and what I've learned to help them. Yeah, that's so amazing. I think that's such a great example of using just the cards that you were dealt and like making the best out of that moment. So I'm really proud of you for that, Marley. And you literally inspire me every single day. And just being reminded of like why you're studying what you're studying is just so amazing and incredible. And I think that you're a light in my life. And after people listen to this, you'll definitely be an inspiration to all of them too. So thank you so much for being here today. And I loved so much hearing about your story. And I just wanted to thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening.